My name is Amim Lutfi. I'm a research fellow here at the Middle East Institute, and I will be your host today for a very promising and timely and important discussion on the broader strategic overview of the Gulf Cooperative Council or GCC economies. This event has been brought together through a joint collaboration between the Middle East Institute here at NUS and Trends Research Advisory. Established in 2014, the Abu Dhabi-based independent advisory and research center, Trends has fast emerged as a leading voice in the Middle East, offering detailed and cutting edge analysis on the different opportunities and challenges impacting the Gulf and beyond. In addition, uh, Trends has been involved in, in offering uh, deep uh, analysis for regional and national level decision makers to help better shape policies for the future. Alongside the middle here at the Middle East Institute, uh, this event forms part of a broader effort in forming broader coalitions with a various trade, uh, with various research centers and think tanks around the world in order to bring in very specific from the ground news and analysis from the Middle East to our audience here in East Asia and the broader Southeast Asia and Asia in general. And in that it is, it's also, I mean, I, I, I wanna point out here that we earlier had an annual conference around a similarly themed, that sort of a, uh, a similarly themed event on how there has been a broader turn within the Middle East towards Asia. The Middle East has, uh, has, has tried to diversify, let's say, for its, 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 uh, its dependence or its, its, its partnerships with, um, with the West to now looking at the East as well. All right, so we'll have, we'll have, uh, we'll have Amal, uh, you, can, you can set up the scene, let's say, Exactly. Then, then, then followed it up into more details, specifically about the country's vision and diversification framework by Mr. Muhammad Hamdoui, who's the head economic research department head trends. And we will follow it with a discussion of the current sort of more cutting edge current trend and what's on the horizons uh, with, with, with Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Muhammad Hamdoui. And we will follow it up and end with a focused discussion on key sectors and opportunities with Mr. Stephen Blackwell. And with that, I wanna hand over the floor to Ms. Amal Albariki to set up the discussion. Okay. I think let me just start by saying that Amal Brick is one of our brightest research uh, researchers, research analysts, uh, she's a young Emirati and um, she is definitely um, kind of the future of uh, uh, the future of trends in terms of uh, research and contribution from Emirati men and women into the research agenda and into shaping the policies and, and contributing to the global debate around key issues that pertain to uh, the region, but also to the world. And Amel, uh, you, you take it from there. Thank you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Um, so I think good evening, presuming that it's 5 p.m. there. <laughs> and thank you for being uh, here with us today. And thank you for Amim and thank you, Sharon, as well. Uh, I'm Amal Bereki, uh, a researcher at uh, Trans Research and Advisory. Thank you, Hamdawi, for the very um, <laughs> humbling introduction. Uh, I'll start by giving a small introduction about Trends first. Uh, so Trends Research and Advisory uh, is a private independent research institution uh, established in 2014 in Abu Dhabi, uh, UAE. Uh, it focuses on foreseeing the strategic, uh, political, and economic aspects of the future. Uh, it's also the broad area of interest uh, include issues relevant to the, to the Gulf, to the Middle East, and to the world at large. So in addition to keeping track of global issues of shared human com commonalities, uh, we, have, uh, uh, we have various research programs that, like I said, focuses on Middle East security, on um, sustainable development and economic as well. So our agenda for, for, the, for today uh, is gonna be, I'm gonna give an overview of the GCC economies and like Amim has explained, uh, the rest of my colleagues are going to be talking about the country's vision and the key sectors as well. 
So I will be briefly speaking on some of the uh, characteristics of the GCC's economies, as well as the, uh, as well as give a quick overview on each of them. I'm not going to expand much, but uh, um, I'll give you the full picture of uh, how each uh, economy, um, I guess, operates and what it relies on and so on. So uh, the GCC economy, ever since, uh, sorry, the the GCC or the Gulf Cooperation Council uh, ever since its establishment in 1981, uh, which is uh, composed of uh, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, uh, the United Arab Emirates, uh, Qatar and Bahrain and Oman as well, uh, share this international, um, I guess, economic unit that has um, uh, that are bonded with like mutual cooperation among the member countries. Uh, and that advocate for uh, regional integration. So uh, within the regional integration, they established free trade agreements, they um, implemented uh, the GCC custom union and Gulf common market. So throughout the years, the GCC ever since its establishment has shown uh, a sturdy annual growth and financial surpluses. So overall, the Gulf economies have over $2 trillion in accumulated sovereign wealth funds and around $40 um, trillion in oil and gas reserves as of 2020. So this speaks volumes of um, the GCC's heavy reliance on oil and gas uh, revenues, uh, which remains to be the case today with more than 50% of the GCC's revenues coming from oil, as well as much of the non-oil sectors uh, are being funded by uh, the oil and gas revenues. So the fluctuation, the fluctuating nature of the oil and gas sector uh, has motivated the Gulf state to consider more diversified um, alternatives and look further into non-oil actors, uh, sorry, non-oil sectors, which my colleague Hamdawi will extensively talk about in a bit. So uh, moving on, some of the interesting um, characteristics of the GCC economies are its youthful population. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, for the GCC itself and the impact it has on its economy is the youthful population. So the structure and demographic of the GCC's uh, population is uh, quite complex, and the MENA itself has a massive youthful population. Uh, so the percentage of population that is of the population that is under the age of 25 uh, goes from 25 and 25% in Qatar to 50% in Oman, uh, while here in the UAE it stands at 34%. 35% uh, in Bahrain, 40% in Kuwait, and 46% in Saudi Arabia, uh, which is massive. <laughs> so this could potentially pose as a threat or a future challenge uh, for the oil-dependent uh, state. And the, if, I guess if the current status quo of the youth in the uh, region is not addressed, um, so the, it could impact, I guess, the outcomes because uh, having like a youth bulge in, in, in the region could be could turn into a liability to the state by having generations upon generations uh, fully dependent on the government, or it could be an asset that would generate opportunities for economic growth. So. Um, I think uh, recently the UNICEF uh, has released its Generation 2030 report on MENA, and it estimated that the most favorable period for the MENA region as a whole, and the Gulf included, will be between 2018 and 2040, when the dependency ratio uh, is at its lowest, which creates an opportunity for a, a demographic dividend that would help these economies kind of divert away from um, being oil dependent and pursue their diversification plans. Uh, so this is why I think it's profoundly, um, the outcomes profoundly depend on whether the GCC countries are willing and committed 
to invest in their youth, their development and education, and eventually the, the region's future as well. And from what we've seen across the GCC recently, uh, strong efforts have actually been made regarding um, enabling and equipping the younger generations. The UAE, Qatar, and Bahrain all have national youth agencies, sorry, national youth strategies that focuses on um, helping the youth realize, realize their potential. The uh, third characteristic of the GCC economy is the imbalanced labor market uh, with heavy dependence on foreign labor. So expats in the region make up half of the GCC's population with an average of 50% um, in comparison to the MENA region wherein the percentage of, uh, percentage of expats is at 9.5%. This is uh, strongly reflected on the labor market, uh, which, create, which created an imbalance between nationals and expats in both private and um, public sector as well. So with the public sector being oversaturated with nationals while they're underrepresented in the private sector. Uh, and a re I read a recent um, a study that said that according to the World Bank, around 40 to 60% of some of the GCC's budget, uh, sorry, that the GCC budget allocate 40 to 60% of its um, annual budget to wages, compensations, and social security, which only adds to the fiscal burden uh, that these oil uh, producing states have to bear. And like I mentioned above, there are some efforts made uh, for, the, for diversifying the economy that Hamdawi will get to in a bit. Now I'll just give a brief, um, I guess, introduction about the, each of the GCC's um, member states' economy, economies and uh, what it looks like. So most of the GCC's countries are large in populations and overall they have a strong and um, uh, rich economies. And as we discussed earlier, uh, they are very similar in nature uh, with oil and natural gases dominating the main exports as we see here with Saudi Arabia being the largest economy in the region. One of its main exports is crude and refined uh, petroleum. Uh, another uh, interesting uh, commonality that I found between all of these uh, GCC states is that they share uh, common trading partners, mainly from South Asian countries that heavily depend on oil coming from the GCC. Uh, moving to the United Arab Emirates, which is known as the most diversified economy in the region, but again, the uh, main exports remains to be um, crude and refined petroleum, which is just oil and gas. Uh, and they still share the, uh, like I mentioned, uh, the trade partners with the South Asian countries. Similarly here with the main exports for Kuwait and uh, Oman as well, and um, Bahrain. In, in Qatar. So I think moving forward, the said challenges or like the characteristics that I've mentioned above about uh, the GCC economies uh, have to be ad ad addressed because they could, uh, they could pose as a challenge or as, a, as an obstacle to their diversification um, efforts, especially during COVID right now with, um, with oil prices um, declining, they, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, they, ha they have to be addressed in order to move forward. But nonetheless, I think it's worth highlighting that the solid nature of the GCC's uh, economies have enabled them to adapt to the ever-changing economic conditions um, like some of the recent numbers that came out 
that the GDP growth rate reaching 1.8% in 2020 for the uh, 2021 for the um, the GCC countries, and that uh, will reach 2.7% in 2022. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much, Amal. And I think uh, that's a, a great introduction. I think the, the, the key point there is that um, the GCC economies are, are strong. They are rich countries. Um, but despite the, you know, despite the effort, they still depend heavily on oil. And uh, and you know they have different sizes of oil reserves, productions, and revenues between you know there's there are some differences and you can see in these tables, but this oil is still the backbone of all their economies and has been the backbone for decades, um, and we have seen efforts to grow the non-oil sector for quite some time now, but it still contributes um, heavily to the GDP and and uh, and countries' budgets, which is a challenge when prices. Of oil have been, you know, fluctuating in the way they did um, over the last few few years. And as you can see, I mean, it goes without saying that uh, the region is is the a critical region for oil production and gas production, for that matter. And uh, um, the table on the left it shows the production. Those are 2019 production. So the numbers have come down a little bit, but it's still um, a key. Um, contributed to um, to the oil supply worldwide, and which is a key driver for global economic growth across the world. It's also very important to the region. And as Amim said, uh, the Middle East has been shifting or balancing its its relationship and trade relationship um, globally and focusing on on Asia. We've seen a big shift as well towards Africa. So I think that's one of the the other elements I'm going to talk about later is that the Middle East is a region and the GCC countries specifically. Um, is looking at diversification of of, uh, of partners, whether it's security partners, trade partners, or eco uh, economy partners, and and um, China and Japan, as as shown in ML slides, are some of the key partners importing um, oil and other products from from the region. Um, the the chart to the right, which is I think relevant to our conversation, is that. Um, Despite the efforts, I mean, some countries have been more successful than others, as you can see in the charts. Um, I mean, Oman and Bahrain generally have a lower uh, production, as you see from the chart. So the, the impact of, um, especially for Bahrain with a small production of oil, um, but some countries like UAE has, uh, has had um, um, strong success in, in achieving diversification, but still oil exports or petroleum exports Contribute 49% or contributed 49% of the total countries export in 2018. And in 2017, the oil and gas sector, the petroleum sector, contributed around 22% to the GDP. Um, I'm going to get into it later, but one of the main goals of the vision of uh, UAE Vision 2021 was that the non oil sector contribute 80% to the GDP by 2021. Um, so with this background around the dependency on oil and gas, I'll go to the next um, slide, which is, um, you know, when you look at the chart there, this is the, the, the brand price from 2006 to, um, um, to July 2020. That was for a piece we published around the impact of um, or oil, the oil markets in the post-COVID area or the impact of COVID on, on oil markets. And you can see, I mean, we had the, the you know, the major um, three price collapses, you know, the 2008 uh, where prices went from 147 to 37 in a matter of few months, as you can see there. Then we have the other one in 2014, 15 and 16, which was driven by, um, which is slightly driven by different drivers uh, compared to 2008. This one mostly was a supply glut from, from the, U.S. shale oil boom, uh, advancement in technologies allowed the production of tight oil, and that production increased, chasing uh, chasing the good good prices, and we see the impact. And then um, we saw the impact of uh, the COVID pandemic, which was again driven by slightly completely different dynamics, where we saw kind of a drop in demand, almost almost uh, instantaneous, where where you know people. Uh, being confined at home, not able to travel, not able to use their um, their cars, um, industrial output dropping, um, the declining use of diesel, jet fuel, etc., 
caused that massive decline in demand and hence decline in price. We have recovered since then, so in the mid 60s, kind of high 50s. Um, so with, with that background, I think the GCC countries recognized um, um, more than 10 years ago, so even before that, that um, dependency on oil is unsustainable. Um, you can't just, you can't, um, you can't be at the mercy of, of these markets. And then with the increase in production from the US and, and Russia and discoveries uh, left and right, uh, challenging kind of the, um, the, the prices that will be, will be something uh, that is not sustain, uh, sustainable for the economies of the GCC. Um, again, um, Amel mentioned that, so price fluctuations have challenged national budgets across all sectors. And we've seen the responses uh, um, go from a reduction in investment budgets to a reduction in social, um, social spending, um, you know, uh, government asking um, the different and um, government entities to reduce their budget um, by 10, 20, sometimes 30 percent. Um, and to do that, uh, these kind of were short term, short term responses. So the GCC countries started by responding short term in terms of addressing the imbalances in the short term. But it called that situation called for a longer term vision for diversification of the economy and um, increase, increase of contribution from known oil sectors. And that's what led to a series of national visions um, that were started um, back in 2008 uh, for, for Qatar and Bahrain in 2010 for the UAE. Um, so the next few slides will go into a bit more detail for each one of them um, and um, go through kind of what they mean for diversification efforts, what they mean for opportunities in the future. And these visions have, you know, they had a lot of, lot of things in common and they have still a lot of things in common. They were developed in uh, using different approaches, uh, different, um, you know, co collaboration and uh, discussion with the, with the societies, but they all have kind of four um, overarching themes. I think one which is critical is the preservation of the national identity and values. And I think that goes line in line with what Emil was talking about in terms of the demographics of, of this region. So you want to um, bring about a change to the economic structure to, to drive other sectors and go through this change because these visions are not just about the economy. They are about changing societies as we're going to see when we talk, for instance, about the Saudi Arabia vision. And to do so, you have to do that while maintaining what is unique for, for, for this country. So the, the national identity, the values, the national heritage, all that was, was common between all these uh, this countries. The other one is, um, again, it goes, it goes hand in hand with, with the fact that the country, these countries have um, a large uh, youth population. And um, I would argue that they are, uh, they are an asset um, that, that the countries need to monetize. And, and the only way to do it is through world-class education systems and improving research and development with focus on science and technology. And again, you're gonna see in the visions that they all talk about uh, improving the education system, putting money into the, into the um, you know, improving R&D, bringing the best minds here, competing to attract uh, talent uh, worldwide. And we've seen a lot of efforts with Visa, um, uh, new visa rules and, and work, uh, remote working rules and, and the ability to have longer term residency, which definitely opens the door for a lot of people to think of, of this region and the UAE mainly. Um, that's the country I'm talking about for, for these, uh, these events. Um, so, um, I'm sorry, I said events. Um, somebody was knocking on my office and distracted me. Sorry about that. Uh, what I'm saying is that all these changes that happened, and I'm mentioning the UAE in terms of visa, would basically open the door for a lot of people who, uh, who have ideas, who have innovative ideas, who are looking for um, you know, a, a local a location for their great idea, new startup, to think about the UAE as, as a strong, uh, strong competitor for that. Uh, the third element is around diversification of the economy. So it's mainly diverse, uh, reduced dependency on oil and most importantly, um, increase the contribution from the private sector. Um, we cannot, as I said, it's unsustainable to, to look for the government to drive the spending and the economic 
um, economic wheel. We need, we need, um, or this countries, GCC countries need the private sector to play a much bigger role, and through through SMEs and through support for for SMEs. Um, and the last element, which is which is goes in hand hand in hand with any initiative, is actually um, you have these countries have to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of the government. Um, and um, make sure that the legal institutional frameworks are transparent, stable, and are not not ever changing. And I think um, you've seen a lot of efforts about accelerators in government entities in, in countries around the GCC, which is something that you don't see a lot, you haven't seen in other countries. Uh, I'll go into each individual country's uh, vision here and just cover um, the main point. Um, the UAE was one of the first countries to announce its uh, its vision in 20, uh, 2010. Um, I think that the key objective, or it has the objective uh, to make the UAE amongst the best countries in the world by 2021. Uh, and it's, it goes into um, making that across all the facets of life. So it's not just about the economy, it's about safety, it's about um, the quality of, of, of living, it's about the standard of living, it's about education, it's about healthcare, it's about a lot of different things. But it was really, uh, it kind of summarized the, 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 that vision into six main priorities for the country. So it's sustainable environment and infrastructure. So um, you know, in, environment and sustainability and the protection of natural resources key. And this region, um, is is um, has a lot of um, lot of natural resources in terms of oil and gas and, and minerals, um, but there's definitely a problem with with water resources um, and the ability uh, and the ability to secure food production here is a challenge as well. So sustainable environment and infrastructure is is one of the key element there. World class healthcare. So the focus on on making sure that um, the healthcare system is. Um, is world-class and it's also um, well-funded to be able to handle crisis. And I think for the UAE, I would say, um, not biased to the UAE because I live here, but through this pandemic, we have seen that um, the UAE was kind of one of the countries that was looked at as a model in terms of the handling of the crisis. So uh, above and beyond ensuring that um, people's livelihood is, 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 uh, is lives and livelihoods are, are protected, um, food and, 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 and medicine was secured. Uh, people had access to testing. There was massive testing. People had access to quality health care. And it's actually, if you look at all the metrics in terms of cases and, and that's it's, it's a loss of life. BOE has done amazingly. And last but not least, I think the, the, the vaccination efforts that are happening here are also another testament to the quality of the healthcare in this country. Education is 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 a critical element that all these visions focused on the UAE as well. Um, knowledge economy, you're going to hear me saying that uh, over and over because it's another element that all these um, countries are focusing on. So you you have um, um, youth, um, you have a great human capital. How can you provide them with good education, and how can you provide them to be players in the knowledge economy? So that that that's not going to depend on natural resources, but it's going to depend on the brains of your, uh, of uh, the, the people playing in the economy. Um, safe, um, safe public and fair judiciary. Um, it goes self-explanatory and a cohesive society and preserved identity. And I think that's the element I was talking about in terms of preserving identity. So you can use your identity as a way to promote the vision for the country, but also to um, drive sectors like tourism, which I'm going to get to uh, later. Um, and I think in terms of metrics, as I mentioned before, there was an objective to increase the contribution of the non-oil sectors to GDP to 80% by 2021. I didn't have a chance to look at the data for uh, 2020, um, but definitely um, there are the 22% contribution of oil sector in the GDP is close to 20 um, so we're, we're on track to achieve that objective. Um, in, as a side kind of uh, um, side to, to, the, to the vision 2022, the UAE launched energy strategy 2050. Again, thinking that, or, or the aim is to increase the contribution of clean energy to 44% of the energy makeup in the UAE. 
um, which is an embrace, uh, which is um, kind of uh, the UAE embracing the energy transition. So we we know that the energy transition is is you know is happening. It's um, it may be you you may have difference of opinion around the speed, velocity, the direction, but ultimately we all agree that there there are a lot of forces that are pushing towards um, towards kind of growth in renewable energy to the to the expense of fossil fuels. And the UAE through this vision has set uh, kind of the, the train in motion to make sure that the um, that the country achieves that. And um, just a few days ago, uh, the UAE launched its industrial strategy, which they called Operation 300 Billion. And that was mainly uh, to promote the development of the industrial sector. As I think, um, you know, the messaging from, from, from all the, the levels of, of govern, government here is that that's a key sector for the economy. And that will be part of the key drivers for the economy post-oil. Um, Kuwait last, launched its new vision 2040 in 2017. And it's, it, it's a national development plan with seven pillars. And, and again, those pillars um, are mentioned there. So enhance the country's regional and global presence in diplomacy, trade, culture, and philanthropy. So it's, again, beyond and above just the economy. It's actually the image of the country is, is the use of the culture, of, of the, the, the local content to promote the country, um, you know, development of national infrastructure, as again, some countries are better than others in terms of the state of infrastructure, the state of development, the diversification efforts. So this is critical for Kuwait. Um, again, here uh, talking about the education system and, and um, you know, in, uh, kind of reforming the education system and uh, enhancement of the training of the workforce and uh, improvement or enhancement of the public administration, um, similar to what we talked about before. So how can, how can you reform the government to increase transparency, accountability and efficiency? Healthcare is another topic that's gonna come back for all of them. And um, sustainable diversified economy. So re reduce reliance on oil revenues and increase contribution of the non-oil sector. And I think for, for um, Kuwait is, is, is very important because um, petroleum exports contributed 81% of the total export in 2018, and they contribute about 55% of, of the country's GDP. So for, for Kuwait, it's, it's, uh, it's a much bigger issue than the rest of the other countries. Um, and again, sustainable living environment. So that goes into protecting the natural resources, making sure that you you're realizing that economic development while maintaining nat um, natural resources, reducing the use of, of water um, and food. Um, and I think, again, one thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into at the end is, is around um, oil and gas um, is here to stay so for quite some time. So we may, we may, we may disagree on when the peak oil is going to happen, but the oil sector is still going to be an important sector for this country. So all the visions talk about how you can maximize the value created from oil and gas until the day where where oil and gas are, are you know are not part of the, the the mix if you want to call it that way so there's a big push here for uh, to boost refining and petrochemical output i think the on the petchem side if i remember correctly kuwait um, was talking about tripling the output by 20 yes tripling the, the output by 2040 and they are also talking about the developing gas resources. So gas as a transition fuel, but also increasing the value derived from each barrel of oil in this country is important. Um, Oman, again, has a, has a vision, Vision 2040. Uh, it's a guide and a reference and a key reference for planning activities in the next two decades. That's kind of from, from the introduction of, of the document. Um, and they had they had a lot of uh, consultation with all parts of the, the Omani society. And again, I'm not going to go into details on each one of them. Again, education, scientific research, uh, economic leadership and management. So how you can have clear vision around where you're going, diversification and fiscal sustainability. Again, it goes without saying that you can't uh, you can't. It's it's not prudent to continue to depend on oil receipts. Private sector. I think they focus here about. How can you increase the contribution of the private sector in the economy? Um, again, natural resource and environment sustainability and focus on national identity. Again, that's the same topic. Um, 
Bahrain has, as I said, one of the countries that launched its, its strategy or its vision early in the process. And it's a vision for the government, society, and the economy. Again, it's not just about, um, about the economy. It's about a combination of things, a transformation exercise for all the facets of life. And the, here, they, they, they slightly different approach in terms of how they uh, structure the, 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 you know, the, the, the vision, but it's sustainability. So, you know, we can't continue or Bahrain cannot continue to depend on government spend alone. Um, um, in here, lower reliance on the public sector, private sector needs to play a much bigger role um, and the government needs to improve efficiency and effectiveness. So uh, high quality policies, predictability is key, trans uh, transparency, and um, and develop its citizens' capabilities. So going back to education and, and development of the human capital. Um, I think they talk about the fairness. So economic growth and prosperity have to positively, positively impact the lives of all citizens fairly. And all citizens should be uh, able to access the same opportunities and live equally in a just and thriving society. And the other element is around competitiveness and attractiveness of the, the economy. So. Um, I think it's, it's critical here that element of attractiveness of the economy, you know, it's applicable for all the GCC countries, is, is we're going to go as we move towards, um, you know, the industrial revolution kind of impact of these new technologies on the economy, knowledge economy, um, you're going to have to compete really hard for talent, you're going to have to compete for this bright minds that are using artificial intelligence to solve problems. So the competitiveness element of these economies is critical for all these countries. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go to Qatar and then I'll, 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 I'll go to Saudi Arabia. Um, and the, the objective here, transforming Qatar into an advanced country by 2030. Uh, they talk about four main pillars, the human development. Again, going back to the same theme, social development, uh, economic development, environmental development. Um, and let me go back to Saudi Arabia. And again, I, I'm not sure where the slide went, but uh, uh, the vision was announced in 2013. Uh, vision 2030 was announced in, in 2016. And actually that probably in terms of the, the, the impact of that vision or the, or the objectives is, is beyond and above what we've heard in all the countries because it aims to transform and modernize the Saudi society and set the country on a journey of economic and social prosperity um, that is less dependent on oil. So um, the vision was expressed in three main pillars. So the country wants a vibrant society, um, a thriving economy and an ambitious uh, nation. And uh, it's a really detailed document. When you look at it, it's a, it's a detailed roadmap to achieve these main pillars. Uh, and they have, they classify them into six overarching and 96 strategic objectives. So that goes into a level of detail um, that goes above and beyond um, any kind of, uh, any, um, any strategic document, if you want to call it that way. So um, it's not only, um, I mean, Saudi Arabia is the most populated country in the region, is the largest economy. Um, um, it's one of the G20, but it, it has the biggest challenge of all the GCT countries into addressing all the issues that Amman was talking about. So heavy dependency on oil, a very young population, a large population, and a country that is going through this um, change um, and, and kind of societal change, but also uh, a desire to diversify the economy um, and modernize the society and provide employment opportunities for youth. So definitely uh, a very uh, formidable project. Um, but again, the six overarching objectives are strength, strengthening the Islamic and the national identi identity. So that's number one. You want to make sure that you portray uh, your culture in, in the best way possible. Uh, offer fulfilling and healthy lives for all uh, Saudi citizens. Um, grow and diversify the economy. Uh, increase employment for all. Enhance government effectiveness. I think um, I, I sound like I'm repeating myself now. If you know, for the last ten minutes, it's the same kind of topic that are coming back, and um, enables social responsibility. So um, everybody, um, everybody is is part of this, and everybody has a role to play. Um, on the energy side, which is which is important to, to Saudi Arabia, um, I think that the, the country intend or, or desire to 
increase the localization of the oil and gas industry from 40% to 75%. So um, we want, the country aims to increase the, the contribution of locals into, into that sector. Um, I think they have a big, uh, a big objective of increasing gas production and distribution capacity. Um, I think one of the issues um, in, in, in Saudi Arabia is that there's a heavy dependence on oil for power generation, and you'd rather use oil for uh, um, much uh, for other sectors that are adding a lot more values uh, from a barrel of oil. Um, they want to develop oil and gas adjacent industries, so um, you know, kind of using the spillover effect, kind of using the oil and gas industry as a, to, to, to increase the, um, the contribution from other sectors. And I think that the most important element is increased contribution from the um, this is This is critical. As I said, the, 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 this region has been endowed with a lot of sun, a lot of sunny days. Um, in certain areas, a lot of wind as well. And it's uh, important for these countries to, to, as I said, embrace the energy transition um, and make sure that you, you're playing your role in benefiting from the opportunities that you have. I'm going to the, yeah, this, this slide is busy and it's going to take a lot of time to go through each one of them, but um, in terms of the drivers and the key sectors that will drive the GCC economies post oil. Um, um, but here it's, there, there's definitely a desire to, to diversify the economy. The first one, as I said, is making sure that you're driving the maximum value from oil, gas, and mining industries and resources. So localization is a key theme um, and strong added value from each unit of production. So rather than focus on export, you may actually, and we've seen, that, we've seen this a lot with, with a lot of countries around here, around the focus on petrochemicals as a way to add more value to the, to the oil production and LNG as another way to monetize um, or add more value to your gas reserves. A lot of mining resources in, in Saudi Arabia, for instance, we've seen a lot of focus on that as well. Um, the knowledge economy and focus on new technologies. Um, again, it goes without saying there's all the strategies um, um, have, all the visions are focusing on that, but also there is a big push to attract uh, and be a, kind of a center for new technologies and be part of, um, of getting the right infrastructure to benefit from the knowledge economy. Um, the promotion of entrepreneurship and, uh, sorry, this promotion, that's, there's a typo there. The promotion of entrepreneurship and investment in R&D. I think we've seen a lot of uh, intra-GCC countries competition for uh, new startups, for talent. A lot of startup programs are happening in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi, in, in the UAE in general, in Saudi Arabia, in Qatar, trying to get the next generation of uh, of uh, new ideas, uh, again, investment in education, uh, embrace, embracing the energy transition and uh, playing a much bigger role in, in, uh, in renewable energy. We've seen it on the generation side. We've seen a lot of momentum on the technology side. Um, industry development, um, you know, and focus on sectors with the highest multiplier, multiplier effects. Um, and the last two points is, is around the use of national heritage to promote cultural tourism and increase openness of this region to the world. Um, you know, tourism play a big role in, in, in the UAE's economy, not so much in other countries. And I think there is, there is a lot of opportunity there because of the geographic location, but also because of the cultural um, heritage and, and, and natural beauty that can be used to promote tourism. And the last point here, and probably that's gonna be my last point, um, use the vast sovereign funds to drive development in the other sectors. So rather than, um, you know, both internally and externally. And um, I'll just stop here, Amim, and then uh, develop any, any further Thank you. With questions. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll pass along to Dr. Blackwell. Dr. Blackwell. Hey, thank you very much, uh, Amim. Uh, thanks to everyone. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure to, uh, to be able to speak to you today. Um, in the interests of of saving enough time for discussion, uh, I I won't take too long. Um, I'll just briefly cover some some uh, key sectors, uh, uh, primarily from a UAE perspective. But it, it's it will also be evident that um, my focus on these sectors will also touch on the on the commonalities between uh, uh, UAE in particular and and Singapore. 
course, the uh, the bilateral relationship has um, has been broadened and deepened in over the last few years. The strategic partnership between Singapore and UAE was signed in 2019, and uh, of course, there are regular meetings of bilateral bodies such as the Abu Dhabi Singapore Joint Forum. Um, as my colleagues have uh, explained uh, ad admirably, um, uh, the UAE is, of course, looking to diversify, uh, as are the other GCC countries, but um, that those diversification efforts uh, are, are set out in the, in the strategic visions that have been uh, developed over since, since around 2008. Um, in terms of sectors, uh, to go through them quite quickly, um, trade industry and investment, of course. Um, there's much that uh, the UAE can do in terms of leveraging its, uh, its strategic position. And of course, as, as with Singapore, it's the, the, the strategic position is complemented by a high level of uh, integra integration into the globalized economy. Um, so there's considerable uh, scope in terms of develop, uh, developing as a sector in the UAE um, uh, trade. Of course, that's partly facilitated by the presence of free zones, uh, extensive free zone network in the UAE, um, uh, efforts to develop uh, the industrial sector. Um, at recently, uh, further reforms have been proposed to make the UAE an even more open economy, um, uh, reducing restrictions on foreign ownership, for example, and, and, and a range of uh, measures to make it uh, the, the environments, the, the business environment in the UAE more, more friendly to foreign investors. Uh, financial cooperation, of course, financial services um, is, uh, the UAE is a strong and growing sector, uh, which, uh, the country is looking to develop in, 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 in the future. Um, sustainable development and energy uh, interlocking topics, which are increasingly at the forefront of uh, debate in, in, uh, in, the, in the UAE over the, the, the longer term direction of the economy and the move away from oil and gas. Uh, of course, there are a number of headline projects uh, uh, in the UAE which which highlight the importance of sustainable energy. There's uh, Mazda City, um, which has been developed as a as a, a carbon neutral uh, urban zone. Uh, major solar power projects like the the uh, the, uh, the the Shams uh, uh, solar energy facility, which uses uses photovoltaic technology. Um, to create uh, sustainable and, and, and carbon neutral energy. Um, considerable uh, focus, of course, in the UAE on, on, on education and human resource development. Uh, the education sector has, has expanded very rapidly in recent years, uh, both in terms of uh, uh, national educational provision and, and uh, like secondary education and tertiary education. And also uh, a, a, a significant number of um, uh, uh, international universities uh, setting up in, in the UAE and uh, providing a very wide range of, of courses. Uh, health is a sector of increasing importance. Um, UAE has a world-class health provision. Uh, the importance of the sector, of course, as we, as in every other country and around the world, has been highlighted by the uh, by the current pandemic. Uh, but health is a sector that's been identified uh, as um, strategically important, both in terms of well, not only in terms of of uh, supporting and caring for the national and uh, uh, resident populations in the UAE, but also uh, uh, health tourism is, is, a, is, is, a, is a growing sector that um, we're likely to, to see uh, uh, expand quite significantly in, in, in the years to come. Um, I could also just briefly mention um, uh, 
arrange cutting edge technologies, um, which uh, I understand as 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 recent as figured in 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 recent discussions at ministerial level uh, between uh, uh, leaders in from the UAE and Singapore. Uh, technology, um, artificial intelligence, and uh, interestingly uh, and very relevantly, uh, space technology is. Uh, is is, an, is a sector that within the UAE is a, has has of course um, uh, been able to realise real achievements recently, uh, most importantly and 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 famously, of course, the uh, the Hope probe, which is developed in the UAE uh, um, uh, for for its for its mission to Mars. So. In terms of key sectors, uh, the, 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 there's considerable, uh, a very extensive, very broad range of 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 sectors that are that are expanding, that that are being prioritised uh, um, from a strategic point of view, and uh, naturally um, uh, they overlap to to a great extent with the with, with with some of the key sectors and key interests in in in, in Singapore. So. The key sectors under under development, which are, are being prioritised, it's intrinsic to this um, extre extremely important emphasis on on moving away from oil and gas dependency, diversifying the economy, uh, maximising the development and deployment of of, of human capital, um, and given the nature of the, the economic context, the business context in the UAE, uh, there are tremendous opportunities and um, key de sector development, new key sectors uh, are, are seen as, a, as being of critical importance, not only in terms of, of national development, develop, developing the potential of the UAE people and, and the, the, both nationals and those residents in the UAE, but also ensuring that you know, the UAE strengthens its, its integration with, with the globalized um, economy um, and um, there's a great deal to look forward to. And I think I'll, I'll, I'll bring my brief remarks to a closer and uh, allow us to, uh, to to move into the discussion session. Thank you very much.